everybody. Welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the Game Master Extraordinaire and Board Game Guru, Jahananan. And I'm the co-host, Casualty CDG. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And thank you all for listening on our Let's see, I believe 13th episode? Just in time for October. Where are y'all at on superstitions? You know, the 13th episode. Anything anything there? Zero. Yeah, I mean, we should have skipped it. Superstition is the crutch of the fool. Uh, No, we should have skipped episode 13 and gone straight to 14. Oh. (laughs) That's why why they don't put 13th floors on fucking... uh, hotels and stuff not because anything's wrong with them but because dumb people will go there to kill themselves but but Jahan, if you go from the 14th floor down to the 12th floor then you can find the 13th floor in between there and it's full of spooky stuff oh there you go yeah the elevator (laughs) the 13th floor is in your mind (laughs) i'm gonna write this down we're having a thing (laughs) this just makes me think of Walt Disney World's Tower of Terror. That's what I always think of with elevators and 13th Didn't they turn that reason. into Guardians of the Galaxy Super Adventure? The Disneyland one in California is now, has been rebranded to a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. The Disney World one is still the creepy hotel. Uh, I don't, I don't you, know if they're going to change that in the future, but... Don't oh. you have a picture on the Tower of Terror? Uh... You used to have it on your fridge, where you ruined Ooh. everybody's photo. Yeah, everybody. I, I do. I have a picture where everybody has, you know, <laughs> is screaming or has their arms up in the air, and I'm just sitting there with my arms crossed with a really mad face. It's really funny. <laughs> you ruined the picture for everyone, and it's awesome. Do you do that in a lot of roller coaster pictures? No, just I, that's the only time I did that one, and it worked. It was so good that I ended up buying that picture because I. It, I thought it was fun. I would love a collection of those. I would actually keep a collection of those around my house on the wall. Like, just different pictures of you on different rides with your arms crossed looking pissed off and everyone else enjoying themselves. <laughs> well, because there's it's two-way street, right? Because A, there's I find the picture funny, so I get enjoyment out of it. But then there's other people on that ride that maybe want to buy their picture, that they had the great the greatest time, and then there's some dude just ruining their picture. Well, so I'm sure there's, there's people, bad families. Then there's people like me who would look at it and be like, I don't really want that picture, and then see you in it, and be like, whoa, look at that guy. Like, <laughs> okay, so it's got me in it, but also get a, get a look at this guy. Yeah, oh, man. Oh, I like that picture. Hey, let's talk Tokyo Game Show, because that's going on still. Well, by the time this, this audio episode posts, it will... I think be over or about to end. Is Tokyo Game Show the ninth Fast and Furious movie? (laughs) Tokyo Drift, colon, Tokyo Game Show. Mm -hmm. Drift into games. Uh, John, I'll let you you lead this, but Tokyo Game Show, I believe, is its annual video game convention, I guess. Yeah, it's a huge game convention in Tokyo that's been going on for decades. Uh... I remember back in the day, X-Play used to fly out there every time and go do that with Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb. Uh, mm, I loved Adam Sessler in Little Nicky. Nice. 
Oh boy. <laughs> uh, so uh, some of the some of the big announcements that have come out so far: uh, Monster Hunter Rise, uh, Sunbreaker details have come out. Uh, that is the expansion for the latest Monster Hunter game. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a new hub, a new central area. Uh, it looks fun. That game looks great. I'm a huge Monster Hunter fan. Uh, Gary Gary went through a Monster Hunter phase at one point, I think. So I loved Monster Hunter World because it was an awesome co-op game and killing giant monsters is really cool. Plus, there's a weapon called the Insect Glaive. Yes. And if you use it the right way, you literally never have to touch the ground. You can just fly around and juggle and bounce and cartwheel. And it's just a really fun way to play the game. It's a really fun mechanic. And I really just enjoyed playing the Insect Glaive. Now, getting back into Monster Hunter is really hard because you have to play certain missions in certain order, and it's it's just the beginning probably takes about four or five hours just to be introduced to all the biomes before you can even start to hunt or explore. So I like the Monster Hunter series, and I think there's something there, but uh, they... Uh, I, I'm not a huge series fan. I wouldn't say like Jahan is. Jahan's a true Monster Hunter lover. I mean, I played every one since uh, PS2, and yeah, I've been I've been a huge fan since I was very young. Uh, I love Monster Hunter. What else can you ask for? Monster Hunter World was amazing. Uh, going back to a real full blown Monster Hunter game is a little daunting. I'm not gonna lie, uh, because the the inventories and all that stuff like they. They unstreamline a lot of it. It's very crunchy. Uh, but, yeah, Mont Rise is fun. You get to ride around on pets and stuff. That's kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, they have new content coming, so that's exciting. I know those just... games are super popular, but I tried to jump into one years ago and realized it was not for the casuals, for sure. And I was <laughs> like, nope, this is over my head. I, I'm out. I was going to say not to not to bash on Monster Hunter, but they also, once you get late game, there are sets that you need to have certain armor sets and weapons, not necessarily weapon sets, but certain armor sets and defense bonuses for sure. Just to survive the encounters, you have to build the right way. So it's not like, what do you want to look like? It's not what do you want your stats to be? It becomes you need this gear to do this thing. And I think at that point of the game, it's less fun. So there is I mean, this really fun middle section of the game for me where you're with your friends killing giant monsters, but then the late game is see, it feels a little narrow and the early game is a little long. I but mean, I think, that's think just a description cool. of any RPG, really. I mean, uh, it always yeah. narrows at the end. I also, yeah, I mean, when I play Diablo, right, I like to play co-op yeah. on the couch with my wife or with my brother, with my friends... And then after I play the co-op campaign, I'm good. I don't need to do late-game Diablo item sets. I don't need to do uh, long dungeon runs over and over on Nightmare. Uh, that's just not really for me. I guess the late game on, on those games might be a little similar in that respect. Uh, so, also, so another, like, quick news from the game show. Uh, Scarlet Nexus, uh, it's a game that's been on the radar for a long time. Uh, it's been on the coming to Game Pass. That finally dropped on Game Pass. Uh, and it's like an anime-style RPG. Uh, looks pretty fun. I don't know if I'll play it, but hey, if you have I Game Pass... I did notice that a, a few new additions to Game Pass lots. dropped in the past few days. And I don't know if that's just the beginning of the month, but a lot of them seem to be from Japanese developers. So I didn't know if that timing with Tokyo Game Show was, was on purpose or if Could some be. of those were surprise 
drops on there. I, I haven't done the research to see, but I did. I was pleasantly surprised at that because I know that the the team over at Microsoft, led by uh, Phil Spencer, that they're actively trying to get more Japanese games and developers on Xbox. So I oh. thought that was a, a cool move. That, yeah. So uh, the past like month or two, they've been dropping like five, ten games a month on Game Pass. They've just been dropping them, dropping them, and you don't expect them sometimes. Uh, and they've been good games, like Subliminal, uh, Subnautica Zero, which I've been waiting to play, uh, Lemnis Gate, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, just lots and lots of these, like, actually really good games that are... Uh, it's not a bunch of little crappy games that no one wants to play, you know? it's I, I still stand by that it's the best... Uh, value in gaming right now but to your point uh, about xbox and japan seeming to merge a little bit uh, they did talk about bethesda games are going to be localized for japan uh, so i think that that means that they're going to be like doing the full game full dialogue everything like they're going to naturalize it so the game will appear as if it was always supposed to be in japanese like they're going to go all the way uh, for the games Redfall, which I'm just now hearing about from Bethesda, and Starfield, which has been on my radar for a while. Uh, but Redfall, I have not heard about this. Have you guys heard about this game? No, and I also, before you get too far, I don't know any updated information on Starfield. So if you know either one, I'm, I'm glad to hear I, both. There isn't much uh, about Starfield that I've heard lately. Uh, I'm excited, <laughs> for sure. Bethesda, uh, huge fan. Love everything they do, pretty much. Uh, not a big Doom guy, but whatever. Uh, Bethesda, it looks like Redfall is some sort of monster hunting game. Uh, not like Monster Hunter, like, you know, vampires, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I believe it was a, a trailer dropped at the end of the Xbox conference at E3, if I remember correctly. And it was, you know, that was after the, the Bethesda acquisition by Microsoft. So that was a big... Bethesda reveal at the end of their conference. It was there was no gameplay shown. Nobody knew about this game, but yeah, it, it the we don't know for sure what I think what the game's gonna be. But the trailer gave vibes of like a Left for Dead style co op game hunting monsters. The, but this like is how you guys need to start quantifying or qualifying my interest. Is the first words out of your mouths need to be whether or not this is co op? Because the whole time it I was like Bethesda co op. Bethesda, I like it. Monster Hunters, I like it. But I'm waiting to hear if it's co-op. And you finally said those magic words. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm interested. Yeah, scary. Co-op. Uh, yeah, Bethesda, now that I'm thinking about it, they really don't do a lot of multiplayer stuff. Uh... No. And I've for the longest time, I've thought that uh, in, in the Elder Scrolls series, when you do a dungeon, you go to the door, you open the door, and it does a small load. Yeah, And then the dungeon is a small indoor instance. It's not this giant open world thing. I think that should be, you should be able to do those small dungeons with an ally. That's how they do it in Dark Souls. Uh, and that would be a really cool way to play Elder Scrolls. You're not yeah. wrong. That way we just get treasure. I help you fight, but I don't interact with your story and your world or kill any of your NPCs or anything. I can just dungeon quest with you. And, uh, you know, that would open the idea to large dungeon crawls where you could do like a four-man co-op with your main character from your Elder Scrolls quest. I would love it and Fallout's the same way. I need some co-op in my life. This looks like it's going to scratch that for you, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm watching the trailer right now, and it looks like 
asymmetrical co-op, so it looks like each of the characters plays different. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. But I think to to get back to the topic at hand a little bit with Tokyo Game Show and this this announcement with Bethesda and Microsoft is that you know they've been making big moves to try to get you know more Japanese gamers to buy the Xbox because yeah. that console just historically has not done well in Japan. You know they're all there for for PlayStation and for Sony, and it's I think the Series X and S have sold better or had a better launch in japan than any other xbox console so it's it's doing better from what i understand but if they keep making moves like this and making their stuff more accessible to the gamers over there hopefully it'll it'll continue to kind of increase their share of voice uh in in japan that i think that's a good move for them no, absolutely it definitely seems like they're putting in the effort uh and we'll see if it pays off for them uh i I love Bethesda, and I want them to do well. Uh, I mean, also, I like Xbox. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a dumb American, but I like Xbox. <laughs> uh, not that I'm a huge King of Fighters guy, but hey, there's a new King of Fighters coming. So, there you go. I don't know if either of you care. Isn't have... that the, like, Kaiju Mecha City of beat up game? No. I don't no, know. this is, a, you know, it's in the same vein of, like, a Street Fighter. Yeah, it's like Street Fighter. Uh, it, it's it's an old franchise. It's been around for a long time. Uh, I feel like I played it on the Game Boy, maybe. Uh, nope. But, yeah, yeah, I've got I, nothing to add on that one. Yeah, I'm a Mortal Kombat Tekken kind of guy. I don't I don't really, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll try it. I don't know. I do like fighter games. Uh, let us know what you guys think at home. Because, uh, I don't know. I got nothing for you on King of Fighters. Uh, oh, I think the one I'm thinking of is called King of Monsters. Yes. That sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. It, it's just a kaiju fighting game where you like fight each other and destroy the city. But it was for an old platform, maybe the Super Nintendo, I think. And they made, made a remade one for Nintendo 64 at some point that was trash. Uh, but it was kind of like Rampage, in, in the same vein of Rampage. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the Tokyo Game Show is still ongoing, uh, but they've announced a couple things that are happening soon. Uh, I think I accidentally went past it earlier. No, it's on the other window. It is a game from Square Enix. Yes, here it is. Uh, it's a game from Square Enix that just got announced and is going to apparently drop like really soon. Uh, from... Uh, Hiroyuki Ito, uh, who directed Final Fantasy uh, 6, 9, and 12, uh, and created the Active Time Battle System, which is a really cool way to play RPGs. Uh, he's making something called uh, Dungeon Encounters, which is a new game from Square Enix. Uh, and it sounds fun. It sounds like it's going to be, I mean, with all of those accolades and things behind, behind him, uh, that sounds interesting at the very least. But it's a new dungeon crawling RPG from Square Enix. Just got announced, uh, and I believe, yeah, it's going to be released on October 14th. So, like, we just heard about this, and it's coming out in 12 days f uh, from the time of the recording. So, that's kind of crazy. So, that's some pretty big news. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Gary? You, you want to try it out? That sounds like co-op. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always down. I'm always down to clown. I'll give anything a shot if it's co-op, if it's multiplayer. I, I, I'm, I'm on to hop on board and see what it's like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's uh, been more released about the game Triangle Strategy. I don't know if either of you guys have had a chance to play that. Uh, it is a it's a tactics game that can be it gets pretty complex with the synergies and whatnot but that's going on right now i actually I know played that the demo. there's a demo i know yeah i know there's a demo and i know the art style is very similar to octopath traveler yeah which was also out for switch which actually is on game pass now too um and it looked interesting um i don't know if i'm gonna be picking this one up at launch i'll see i feel like i've got a lot of other stuff to play right now but <laughs> yeah. i I like that kind of art style and uh, I don't know. It's that kind of stuff is very cozy to me. Like I, I really enjoyed Octopath Traveler Traveler. Excuse me. It's kind of a basic, um, Octopath Traveler RPG, was awesome. but I, but I liked it. It was, yeah, it was a true love letter to JRPGs and it was different at the same time. And it was just very interesting, very fun. Uh, you could approach the story from so many directions, which was kind of novel for, a JRPG, you know. Uh, and yeah, this game is very much a tactics game. It's very crunchy. Uh, so if you're into that, this game might be for you. If you are not, it might not be. It's very crunchy. Uh, but yeah, so those were some of the uh, the bigger announcements uh, that I rounded up for... Well, that other people rounded up. Yeah, the only thing I'll call out, because I'm a, I'm a Final Fantasy guy, I'm a fan of the Final Fantasy games, and I did tune into one of the streams... Um, from Tokyo Game Show, I guess maybe it was Square Square Enix's stream, and they were revealing it when I joined in this this Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier, and I was like, oh man, what what is this? And I was thinking this is some new Final Fantasy VII spinoff, which I'm a fan of Final Fantasy VII, and it is a mobile battle royale game. So as excited as I was to see. Final Fantasy VII, as soon as I got that reveal, I said, ah, never mind. Not for me. I hope people get that and enjoy it. I hope the people that are looking forward to it enjoy it, but that's... It's not for me. It's weird that you hope they enjoy it. I hope they choke on it and die. Um, so I... The only Final Fantasy game I want, because they've basically all come to Game Pass at this time. I just want to play one of the Final Fantasy MMOs. I've always wanted to play one. I've always been interested. I want to see the classes and character customization, the different armors and stuff. I'm just totally interested in how that works in that world because I love character customization. And because of that, I'm not a huge fan of the Final Fantasy series. So the one thing that really attracts me is the one that I still can't play yet. Yeah, I know Final Fantasy 14, I believe, is their current big MMO. And I know that it's still very popular still and actually strong. highly praised too like very very positively reviewed and i i feel like they have been trying to get that on consoles for a while but i, I don't know if they're just not having luck or if they gave up on that maybe it's not happening so sure. it has as far as i know that game still has a membership fee and bringing it to console with a membership fee isn't going to do anything for them if it's going to come to console, it's going to have to be free like the other console MMOs like Neverwinter and Black Desert. And 
I, I could go on. I just don't feel like it. I think even the ones that had subscription fees have gone free to play. Like I think Elder Scrolls Online might have originally yeah, so... had a subscription fee. Remember when DC Universe Online first launched mm-hmm. and it had subscription fee, and now it's free to play. So yeah, there's two more exactly. And and if you go to the marketplace on Xbox Live and search MMO, they are all free for a reason. And and I don't know, like you said, and Jahan said, Final Fantasy has this success in in, in fourteen. Yeah. People love it, and people are still paying subscriptions. So I don't know if they're ready to to make so, it free. Yeah, a lot of games have like a lot of the games you mentioned. Uh, you can still pay a subscription, but it just gives you bonus content, which is really cool. Including Elder Scrolls, you can get like you kind of get like an in-game currency allowance and like additional storage and like access to stuff that you wouldn't normally have. Uh, for money, but yeah, I don't see Final Fantasy going free anytime soon because it is so popular. And also, the thing I would like to point out about most of the games that you mentioned is that they all suck. And so, <laughs> so like, yeah, okay, the shitty up. games. Are, Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online suck. was decent. Okay, thank you. That's it all I needed. Decent. The rest, the rest sucked. No argument. It was a decent grind to fucking nowhere because the end game is trash. So like, what's the point? I, I but, thought the PvP arenas were really fun. The when PvP they was broken, cool, and but I thought also that broken. The, it was really easy to jump into a dungeon session with yeah. other people, and it, I thought it was a lot. It fun. had a lot of stuff going for it. End game was trash. Uh, PvP was broken, um, and. You know, a lot of issues, but Final Fantasy doesn't seem to have those. Final Fantasy seems solid. Final Fantasy seems like it's... I'd love to give it a shot. I would also love to touch that game with my face. And just go... Just give it a good old MMORPG. Hey, so... Um, as much as I love y'all's sound effects and and comparisons for how much you love that, um, was that it from Tokyo Game Show? Yeah, that was that was uh, all I had from there so far. It's not concluded yet, so there might be more information forthcoming. So basically, as soon as we finish recording, the biggest announcement out of the show is going to come out, and we <laughs> didn't get to talk about it. Probably, most likely, is what will When this episode drops on Spotify tomorrow morning... Uh, there will still be a conference yet to come. So yeah, we, we don't have all the information. Uh, maybe we can talk about it next time we record. Well, what we can talk about this time we're recording is Venom. Ooh. I wanted to talk Venom because um, the new Venom film, the sequel uh, to the first Venom movie from 2018 is out this weekend and doing pretty well at the box office actually getting uh, grossing more than it was initially projected um, a lot more actually. So, um, but before we talk about the, the movie movie versions of Venom or anything like that, um, which I'll get into later, I just wanted to talk in general about Venom with y'all because I know Gary and I grew up, you know, as, as comic book fans and in, but, you know, I think really getting into it in junior high and Venom was even back then a pretty popular character on the comic circuit. You know, obviously he was created in the 80s, um, but I think that he's there are some, you know, obviously there's the main heroes of comic books that I think become 
you know, there are a lot of people, even if they don't read comics, are aware of a lot of these heroes and who they are. And Venom's one of those characters that spilled out of the comics that I think that people just had a general awareness of, even if they weren't reading comics. And um, even, even became one of those characters at one point where, like, he became so popular that it's like it wasn't cool to like Venom anymore <laughs> at, at one point because everybody else liked him. So where are y'all at on Venom as a character? I have always been a big Venom fanboy. Um, I had for Essie and that for for our Super Nintendo. Thomas and I had Spider-Man Venom Ultimate Carnage, and it was a beat 'em up Maximum max, Carnage. There you go, Maximum Carnage. It's a beat 'em up side scroller Spider-Man and Venom game. Uh, so we got to play together, yep. and you know, you know how I feel about co-op. That game was awesome. <laughs> In a, it introduced you to all the other symbiotes. And it was just very cool. And then going forward, there was the Spider-Man game for the PlayStation where Venom was a character. And it was cool to see him like 3D rendered and fight Spider-Man in the alleyway for the first time. Uh, I had an awesome Venom toy where like the face came off and you could see Eddie Brock's eyes underneath the, the symbiote. And so uh, I, I, I had a... something real quick. Keep talking. Yeah, man. Get what you need. Uh, in sixth grade, I think you remember, I had the Venom shirt, the black shirt with the big white symbiote. I was just about to bring it up. You read my mind. I was going to say, I remember you having the shirt, the black shirt with the white spider logo on it. And uh, then uh, even even recently, as maybe five or six years ago, I went out and got a bunch of Agent Venom graphic novels and read all the, the newest crap what's his name is it flash is it yeah flash I, th- I think it was flash thompson that was yeah. agent venom and so flash thompson in that storyline is uh he's paralyzed or maybe he's even missing his legs i think he's paralyzed and he's a war veteran and venom is sort of his armor and his suit and his power it's just a really cool line i, I love venom i like what they've done with him moving forward and uh yeah, I, I've always been a Venom fan. I, I never got off the bandwagon. Jahan's back, and he is showing us that he has a Venom pop. Yeah, I got I got some of my Venom stuff. I couldn't find everything I have, but because uh, I didn't want to take forever. Uh, was the PlayStation game you're talking about this one, the same one for the N64? Yes, that's yeah. the same one. Yeah, I still have it. <laughs> I still have the red cartridge. If I'm not mistaken, the beat-em-up you were talking about also was a red cartridge. Uh, I believe it was. I got. I grabbed the closest Venom comic I have, uh, which doesn't include. I have the whole like the backlog. I do love Venom. Uh, so Venom has always been cool. Always been iconic. Uh, you know. I mean, he's like this big, tough, cool guy. You know, he's the cool superhero. He's cool to like. He's edgy. Uh, but they've done so much cool stuff with that character. Uh, in the past years, and, and also with Carnage and all the other symbiotes that came from uh, the initiative that they show in the first Venom movie, uh, like Scream and just Anti-Venom and all those people. Uh, and then also Agent Venom was one of my favorite runs that they did, uh, where Flash Thompson... Uh, we actually were just talking about that, too, while while you were away for a second. Yeah, so. I love Agent Venom. Agent Venom <laughs> was so cool. Uh, and then much more recently, they did uh, the King in Black run, uh, which went with the creator of all the symbiotes, Null. And, like, I hope I'm saying all that right. Otherwise, they get torn apart online. But 
I, I haven't gotten to read those yet, and I really want to. And they talk about the creation of symbiotes. I'm pretty sure that that guy rides a symbiote dragon uh, at one point. So, like, it gets bananas. And it's just, I don't know, man. Venom is awesome. And all yeah, the and stuff around him is awesome. Which then I think that, you know, there's the famous story that he kind of got shoehorned into... Spider-Man three, you know, the, the Toby, the third yes. of the Toby Maguire Spider-Man movies where it's, it sounds like from the stories I've read about it, if I'm remembering correctly, is that, you know, the studio really wanted Venom to be in the movie because he was so popular. And so I don't know if Sam Raimi really wanted to go that route. And so they ended up having to put Venom in there and it ended up being a very, a pretty widely mocked interpretation <laughs> and, and version of Venom. I think the only character that's been mocked even more was how uh, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool was depicted in that Wolverine Origins movie. You know, I mean, it, that doesn't come close to Ryan Reynolds in Green Lantern, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, you know, the, you know, that wasn't the best interpretation of Venom in that movie. And then now here we are, you know, where a few years ago a Venom movie was made. And of course you can get into all the, the studio politics and how it came to be and the rights and who owns the rights. But basically Venom had to be its own thing outside of the, the MCU just because of, of rights. Um, have you, have y'all seen the first Venom movie yes. from 2018? Yes. What, what are, what are your thoughts? I liked it. Was it like, does it deserve an Academy Award? No. Was it fun, exciting to watch? Was it cool? Did he eat people? Yes. That's all I wanted. It was better than a lot of the X-Men movies. <laughs> it was better than specifically one of the X-Men movies, I think. Maybe two. There's a lot of the X-Men movies I do not like. Uh, I really, really liked First Class a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and the <laughs> And other than that, I'm not a huge fan of that series. I, I I think Venom is fine. It's not as good as the Marvel bangers. It's not as bad as the DC flops. Uh, it's just in there. You know, it, it's 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 in there somewhere, right in the middle. You can really kind of say this about all comic book movies, but the comparison I usually make of the Venom movie when I first saw it then was it's junk food. It's it's cinematic junk food. Like you know, it's not good for you. It's not good, but you still like it and you can't help but just you know throw it on and enjoy yourself i actually really like tom hardy well i did i did really like tom hardy in the beginning of his career i really liked a lot of the stuff he did um specifically i thought branson was fucking awesome but oh then... um Bron bronson bronson i thought bronson. bronson was fucking awesome and then his interpretation of bane was awful it, it, it was very strange and very bad. Uh, writing aside in the movie, because I have some problems with the writing too, but just his performance was not Bane-like. I was and, born in darkness. I am a bad guy. You merely adopted it. You can tell I beat people up from my threatening voice. Uh, it's just not... I didn't like his interpretation of Bane. And then uh, he, as Eddie Brock, is kind of just flat as fuck it's like it's just 
<laughs> and maybe that's on purpose because Venom is the character, not Eddie Brock. And it, he, he's kind of just a good person for the symbiote to ride on because he's not exciting at all. So this is kind of a perfect um, transition point from the general Venom discussion into our, our uh, fresh out the podcast takes because um, to transition into, into that with, with Tom Hardy's performance of Venom, which Tom Hardy is such an interesting figure to me anyway, that I could talk, I could speak at length about him because he's really be, emerged as the anti movie star. You know, he could have been the, the next good looking, handsome leading man in all these different action movies. And he just actively doesn't want to do that. He would rather be in a movie where he can be super weird, where, you know, do strange voices, just really I mean, go for it in weird ways. Um, no matter, did a, sorry, no matter what happens, you can't take away, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, from, you Mad know Max I mean? Fury yeah. Road is, is just easily the best wow. performance, best movie he's been in, in my opinion, so for good. sure. But you know, he for just, every... to me, he's he doesn't like where, and and it's not that I like Chris Pratt, but I'm going to use him as my example. Chris Pratt has that charm and the smile and the charisma of a leading man, and I think Tom Hardy doesn't have that. He's more like a Stallone type, where he can be a leading man in an action movie or that uh, what was the fighting movie that he was in, like the the boxing UFC style movie where him and his brother were estranged. Warrior warrior so he can play this silent badass who plays this really good role and you can you can read his emotions on his face but he doesn't have that kind of charm like like Dwayne the Rock Johnson does uh James the Rock Johnson sorry he, he doesn't have that he doesn't have that that charisma <laughs> right yeah, I think that he his name's come up in the conversation before and we'll talk about this more next week but um for Bond, like if Tom Hardy could could be the next James Bond, I think that's something he actively rejects. He wouldn't want to do. He could, he could probably do it if he would just play it straight and be be yeah. Bond. But he, I just think he doesn't want to. It's not weird enough for him. He wants to he wants to go for it. And so, in the first Venom movie, <laughs> he he has a spurts of being really weird in that movie and just kind of going for it at times, and. So let's talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, or let me talk about it, because I believe I'm the only one of us that's that's seen it Correct. so far. And basically, they took all of those parts from the first Venom movie of all just the really <laughs> weird comedic parts. That's the whole sequel. The sequel is just, they said, hey, this stuff was kind of funny and worked. Let's just make the whole movie that. So it's, I mean, so go into it, you know, with with your expectations set there, you know, this is, it's, it's super weird. He's having a good time. I think everybody in that movie is having a good time. Uh, it's, it's just, oh man. I, you know, again, it's, it's more junk food for sure. It's, it's cheesier than the first one, but I thought it was fun. Woody Harrelson, you know, probably there for a paycheck for sure to, to, play Cletus Casty Carnage, but he's also having fun. You can tell he's just having a good time being I'm a not crazy even serial kidding. killer. I would have cast Woody Harrelson as as Cletus Cassidy all the way as far as back as like 2000, 2001. He he would have been a great cast and is a great cast. He 
he looks like a skinny, crazy fucking white guy, and he's a great actor, so why not? Uh, I would have always picked him as a kid and as an adult. <laughs> but <laughs> I am kind of worried just from uh, from the way you explained it that maybe he plays it a little silly. I mean, a little bit. A little but bit. But it's... I mean, it's carnage. He's just a, like a... He's just a screaming, slashing maniac murderer anyways. It's not like it's the deepest character. And actually, one of my biggest complaints about the movie, and this is getting super nitpicky from a comic fan, like, <laughs> you know, I try not to be that guy, like, eh, in the comics, it's this, or I imagined <laughs> it being like this. But the carnage voice, when he's, when Cletus Cassidy is in full carnage form, the voice is more similar to Venom's voice than what I, I would imagine, like, a very high-pitched, screeching mm-hmm. voice for carnage, and it's not that. It's more of a deep symbiote voice. Um, not exactly the same as Venom, but more kind of in that vein, which I, you know, hmm. I didn't think that was very creative for, for the, that movie interpretation, but yeah, I imagine Venom's voice would like rattle your bones and your lungs, but Carnage's voice would crack glass and make your ears bleed. Right. Yeah, exactly. I agree actually with that. That's interesting that they didn't do that. I, I like, that feels like a given kind of, he definitely, I don't know. I've only ever read what he says before obviously but we all read yeah, it exactly. the same way somehow yeah we all read it as yeah like high-pitched i don't know like i didn't yeah, think no, he would sound like this you're exactly right and so um but anyway i i mean that didn't it's not like that ruined the movie for me by any means it was still fun um <laughs> the the relationship between eddie brock and venom is just bizarre in the movie and instead of like the first movie where you work to that point where they're together, you know, in the new one, they're just together from the get go. So you immediately get their weird, very strange exchanges. Um, the venom lethal protector moniker is brought up in the movie. So that, that is used, you know, as it's been used in the comics in kind of his anti-hero stage. And then the only other thing about it that I'll say is there's a, there is a mid credit scene in the movie that will, that will be talked about. Oh, that's all I'll say about it. Um, but overall, I mean, definitely don't go to Venom Let There Be Carnage expecting, you know, this is the Oscar su- successor to the first one. <laughs> you know, Jahan, you said that about the first one. It's not winning any Oscars. This one, you know, the same. But go into it just ready for a silly, dumb ride. Don't go into it, you know, ready to critique and want a super serious yeah. Venom movie. It's just, it's not that. Um, it, also, uh... we're quoting, directed by Andy Serkis of Gollum fame. Interesting. So. Yes. Does it kind of feel, after your description, does it kind of feel like... Oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I'll come back to it later. Uh, yeah, no. Andy, I love Andy Circus. I love everything Andy Circus does. Uh, I mean, he's, he's fucking Golem, like you said. That's, you know, that's all you need. That guy is a national treasure. Uh, but no, I don't know. I, I grew up with the shittiest superhero <laughs> movies ever. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. Like, I'm fine with it. I like them. They're fun. I I'm... like cheesy, you know. I like Batman Forever <laughs> and all that stuff. Like, I remember what I was going time to say. to freeze. Like, I don't know. <laughs> from, from your description, Drew, it sounds almost kind of like the first Deadpool, where it was silly and fun, and it wasn't trying to be cool or awesome or or good it was just fun it was trying to be fun it did a good job of being fun that's that's kind of what i've what i feel like you're saying so that's my take on it and it's going to be one of those divisive movies where like there are going to be people that 
saw it for what it was as a fun trip to the movies and just silly, stupid fun and enjoyed it. And then there's probably going to be the serious comic fans who are like, it's a disservice to Venom. I wanted more for this character. This, you know, I don't like it. And those people can go take a hike for all I care. I mean, it's just digs. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a silly movie, and, and I thought it was really fun. It, it, those people remind me of a time I was at a bar, and I was wearing a Spider-Man shirt, and it was the cover done by uh, McFarlane, and I didn't know that, and he was like, I bet you don't even know who drew that, and I was like, bro, I do not fucking care, like, go away, <laughs> like, get out of my face. I know now, but, yeah, I mean... Those are the people, I mean, they can't enjoy anything because they hate themselves. And, you know, <laughs> that's fine. You do you, clown. Uh, so for me, for me personally, I'd say that, that Venom Let There Be Carnage is fresh out the podcast. But just, you know, know what you're getting yourself into. I will talk about something else. Another movie I watched that I would say is not fresh out the podcast. Do just from tell. Top. Are y'all familiar with Dear Evan Hansen? Is this, have you, have you heard of this? No. Okay. Okay. So for those that are unaware, Dear Evan Hansen is a uh, Broadway musical from a few years ago. Is, but, is Dear Evan Hansen married to Doe Evan Hansen? That was, that was a terrible joke. That no, it wasn't. Terrible. Do they have, no, do they have kids named Ray and me? Oh no! No, stop! Both of them, just stop. And, can I, and is there other kid? Can named I mute Bambi? you both? Is there other kid named Bambi? Stop! Stop! Please! Please! Uh, please. It wasn't good when you started it, Gary, and I just had to had to keep doing. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That was quality. So, Dear Evan Hansen was a, a Broadway musical that kind of swept the the Tonys the year that it was out. It won. Best Musical at the Tonys, I believe, and Ben Platt won the Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical for playing the lead role, Evan Hansen. And so naturally, as anything, you know, any show that does really well on Broadway and is claimed, they did what they always do and said, well, let's make let's make a film version of it. Um, the plot of this movie or excuse me, of the, of the musical and the movie is a little bit problematic uh, inherently, but let me let me preface this. I've seen the stage show. I enjoy the music. I enjoyed the show. Um, it's it's deals with some heavy material though, and all of that stuff just did not translate well to the movie. So to give y'all a little insight here into the plot, um, which is it's a little <laughs> tough to describe. So the title comes from Dear Evan Hansen comes from Evan Hansen, a high school student um, who suffers from depression, anxiety. You okay. know and and uh has been assigned a uh by his by his therapist to write letters to himself as as part of his therapy so the name dear evan hansen comes from him dear evan hansen writing letters to himself one of these letters that he writes to himself gets uh taken by another student at the school who's also kind of a a a problem child and uh, later, it, that uh, student ends up taking his own life. And so the parents of that student find the letter on him, Dear Evan Hansen, and think that their son 
wrote a letter to the student Evan Hansen as his la- his final words. Gotcha. And so the parents approach Evan about the relationship he had with their son, and instead of telling them the truth, he goes along with it. Um, and it kind of and the story kind of unfolds from there. So you can kind of see why you know where this could take some issues, and um, you know, not to go into too much of about it and and spoilers and all that but i think the music in it's it is good but there's just parts of this from like a the musical kind of plays out as a dark comedy and the movie takes itself a lot more seriously which makes it a little bit more problematic because characters just get away with truly heinous things in it um just like emotional manipulation of people around them you know so anyway, um, yeah, I, I I liked the songs. I liked the musical. I Just the movie didn't work for me. It's also worth noting a lot of the dialogue around this movie in the film community is about how Ben Platt, who played the part on Broadway, was brought back to play this part in the movie. However, he's aged more from, the, from then. So he's, mm. I think, 27 or 28 years old playing a high school student. So, you know, caked on makeup and, and longer hair to make him look younger. But he really does look like an almost 30-year-old that's playing a high schooler, he which looks, just... He looks way older than 30. It, it is distracting in the movie. It wasn't as bad to me as I think other people are making it out to be. But it's definitely... They, they probably could have found someone for a film version that's that's better. And he's playing it like he played it on Broadway, which... For a stage show, Gary, you know from acting, you have to play parts bigger because you're playing to the back your audience. Of the, yeah, you got to play yeah. to the back of the arena, so you your facial expressions need to be read at the back doors. So when you're playing that, but when doing film acting, I'm not even it, kidding, Jahan. That is exactly how stage acting's done. It is in a full overread. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It really is. They'll teach you that in in stage theater. You right. need to be able to read it to the back. Yeah, there's no such thing as... I mean, if you're hamming it up for comedy, that's good, too, because they need to be able to read that in the back. Yep. So it just... He's a little over the top. It comes across more psychotic in the movie than probably it's intended <laughs> to, just because it's... You know, it it just, it, it just was a little much. But there are going to be people... Like, here's the thing, is for me, talking about it from a film criticism standpoint, I'd be interested to see how the general public is reacting to it because this might play well to people that are unaware like they because i mean it, it kind of the movie plays with your emotions too like it'll make you cry it'll it'll you'll feel emotions in it because you can't help it but then when you kind of realize what it's all about or what it's referring to i think there are parts that are just a little problematic so that's my uh dance on it and then i'll talk about a couple other things really quick um, John Stewart has a new show on Apple TV Plus called The Problem with John Stewart. So this is his return to TV after um, you know several years off since he left The Daily Show, and um, it's a it's a every two weeks and it's it's topical. So he's he's hitting topics a little bit harder, um, I think than he did on Daily Show. I was not an avid Daily Show watcher, so I can't sit here and compare the two, but. Um, there's one episode out as of now of the problem with Jon Stewart. The topic is about war and specifically the burn pits that are um, 
like in in Afghanistan and Iraq and you know the other sites of these wars and and the issues that it causes for the soldiers and their health care and or lack of health care once they get back. So um you know it's 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 some heavy topics in the show. So just if you do decide to check this out, don't go thinking, you know, there is some John Stewart comedy that's yeah. sprinkled throughout and and some little skits or sketches, but for the most part, you know, it's it's some pretty heavy topics, but I think um the show has to kind of find its footing, but if you're a fan of John Stewart and you want to see him back on TV, you know, this is, there's a place for you now. Yeah. I love John Stewart and he, he tends to be really good at handling those heavy subjects, uh, and not make you want to die. So like, that's kind of his wheelhouse. He does panel interviews, I guess, in the episodes. Again, there's only one episode, but it seems like this is something they'll be doing for, for future ones. But like he has, you know, uh, multiple veterans or, or folks that are have been affected by this that are you know do kind of a roundtable discussion yeah. uh, on the show. Uh, he does an interview with um, somebody who works for the VA, so you know he's he's doing interviews on location and things like that. So it's it's interesting from a production standpoint because it's just different from what we've seen him do before. There but you know there've been hints of this that I think he started to find during the the latter years of the Daily Show and now this is a show kind of dedicated to that form of, yeah. of journalism. Well, I mean, since he left the daily show, like since, since 2001, uh, he's been advocating for, uh, first responders that have been denied it's... medical, uh, benefits, uh, from nine 11, from nine like, 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been very active in, uh, those hearings and that kind of thing. And I think he finally got them something, and like, I don't know. He's he's always been that that guy. So, um, yeah. So I I enjoyed the first episode. Again, it's heavy, heavy content. So just know that going into it, it's not all light and fluffy. But um, so I like last week tonight, which is John Oliver's version of probably something very similar. Um, but there are episodes of last week tonight that are a bit heavy for me also that I have to, you know, turn it off or skip through. So I'm interested in this show. I just may, I'm, I may pass this first episode by and see what else he comes out with. Yeah. I think that's, I think luckily there's a description for each episode of what it's about. And this first one, you know, I mean, truly, I thought it was going to be more about war in general. It's, it's very specifically about burn pits that are set up. He even describes it as, you know, obviously when you're when you're at war in a foreign country you know they don't tell you when trash day is and and, (laughs) and trash is getting picked up so they make burn pits where they put all their trash and human waste and all these different things and pour jet fuel over it and they burn it and there's huge columns of smoke and then and they're right next to these army bases so all these soldiers are are breathing in these fumes so naturally there's going to be issues so that's you know that's the the kind of the crux of the episode and and the main topic at hand for the first one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit eye opening, I think. So I'll be, I'll be interested to watch more of his content. Uh, on a related, but much lighter note, <clears throat> did I ever tell you about the time my dad was on uh, last week tonight? No. <laughs> yeah. My dad was on last week tonight. Uh, it was one of those like, and now uh, when local news does Halloween or something like that. And, <laughs> you know, they do a couple of clips of people in stupid costumes. And then it gets to one. My dad's there. <laughs> he dressed like a rabbit. 
and he's like accusing the he's like you made me wear this to the reporter and it's really funny uh please find that clip upload it to the fresh out the the box youtube channel i will and let us share that in the show notes please (laughs) i will have to do that yeah um, I just I have... banged Jahan's dad dressed like a rabbit and didn't get any results. So maybe if I Google it, uh, I'll have if it did come up, that would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like just a footnote here. I recently read, and I'm not even fucking kidding you, that the EU reported that or Bing reported to the EU that their number one search result, the number one thing searched in Bing, is Google. <laughs> so it is true it's happening sense. we're doing it don't forget to bing google today hey don't forget uh hashtag bing google <laughs> so the the last thing that i will talk about that i've been watching recently is survivor i've talked on here before about how i'm a big reality tv fan and survivor is one of the shows that's at the top of, of that list and during the pandemic there's been a big break from survivor there was a season airing at the time the pandemic started so that season you know finished out but they were not able to return to filming new seasons of survivor until this past summer so finally we have a new season of survivor that started um just i think a, a little over two weeks ago around two weeks ago and uh i'm just pumped to have survivor back in my life um this is the 41st season of survivor believe it or not and they used to have different subtitles or locations or whatever to describe each season and they've done away with that in this new era of survivor it's just survivor 41 and 42 and 43 and whatever the upcoming seasons will be just numbered um as opposed to having all the different silly um subtitles yeah, uh, so far I, so good. I like the season so far. I mean, it's, I like Survivor uh, when it first started coming out. Every now and again, I'll watch it. It's entertaining. Uh, but recently, I just I like the host like way more because uh, I saw a clip of someone like one of the contestants being like transphobic, and he told them to shut the fuck up. And I was like, yeah, all right, I like this guy. Like it was cool. So, it, so it's worth noting in the in the first episode of uh, of this new season of Survivor, one of the things that Jeff Probst has always said uh, whenever he brings in, you know, the cast for a challenge or whatever, so he always said, come on in, guys. And that, that was that's always what he's done from the first season. And he started off this season by saying, hey, I've always said this every season, but we we want to evolve and adapt with the times and everything. So let me ask all of you, the cast, the current cast, you know, would does anybody have an issue with me saying, come on in guys, or should I just say, come on in? Or, you know, what are you okay with? And, um, you know, initially they're, they're like, yeah, that's fine. And then actually a, a, one of the cast members does come forward and say, you know what? I'd rather you not say that. And Jeff Probst like, cool, that's fine. I, you know, then I won't say it and goes from there. So I've always appreciated that about survivors that they, they are quote unquote woke, if yeah. you will, but not in a, uh, not necessarily in a pandering way. Yeah, I mean, so, the very I, first uh, winner of Survivor ever was gay, so... Yes. Yep. So, anyway, I'm just happy to have Survivor back on my screen. And those are all the things I've been watching. Um, as far as games go, uh, I'll leave it to Gary, because I'll have some uh, commentary on something that he'll be talking about here in a bit. 
how about how about you, John? Do you have anything before I go games? It looks like you have a, a long list. Of I shows. I have some stuff I've watched and some yeah, stuff I'm excited show. for. You've got shows. I've got games. So why don't you do your shows and then I'll do some games. All right. Just well, looking in our show notes, I'm looking all the stuff that Jahan's watched is stuff that I want to watch and just haven't gotten around to yet. So this this should be fun. Boy oh boy. Uh, let me get this visual up real quick. Uh, so I forgot that I'm going to talk about this and now I'm all excited because it was an experience. Um, but first, first on the docket, Star Wars Visions, uh, which I somehow <laughs> didn't bring up, but yeah, uh, Star Wars Visions on Disney Plus. Uh, what a treat for any fan of Star Wars or uh anime or both uh better if both for sure but man oh man the first episode is a banger the second episode is interesting i don't know i got very strong like fully coolie vibes uh maybe just because there's guitars i don't know but it was cool uh gary's shaking his head gary did not like the second first episode. episode was awesome second episode was not and i haven't watched any more from there i've seen all of them uh, there are three or four that are just way beyond anything I expected. Uh, I believe one of the episodes is called The Ninth Jedi, and I'm not going to do any spoilers. Uh, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. But that one needs to be a full series, period. It was amazing. Like, it was so good. Uh, and they, I don't know, because some of them, you can see... Uh, they're handling Star Wars as anime. They're putting in all the stuff. You know, you always have lightsabers. You always have Force Jedi, everything. It's always the same things. That one, I feel, I don't know, like the mythology felt like it was its own, even though it was Star Wars lore and there were lightsabers. It felt like they owned it. That's how I felt about the first episode, too. The first episode, yeah, first episode was dope. Uh, And there's been, I've, I've heard uh, that people have been complaining, like, you shouldn't mix you know, Star Wars, why is there, you know, you putting this Asian culture in here, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then they showed the interview of George Lucas uh, saying that his inspiration for Star Wars was like old samurai movies. And then, boom, it's come full circle. It's here. And I think it's beautiful. Uh, I was going to say, like, uh, inspiration for Star Wars is like some really classic Japanese not films even subtly like it is obvious yeah absolutely uh the, the first episode is like a like a lone ronin samurai mm-hmm. and it's almost like a samurai jack type of vibe once things get going he he go hard and the episode is just it's done in a really neat style that's maybe not great but certainly neat and it's just it, it comes in swinging man it, it, it's really a cool episode really adult episode uh not in a grotesque way but like i mean we're we're the target demographic for that not little kids on the first yeah. episode no definitely the second uh, episode is de- is way more targeted towards kids <laughs> the second me. episode i liked uh and my brother watched it with me and he was tripping. he was like what the because that was the one he walked in on and he did not know what was going on and he liked it uh but yeah and then also uh it's just, I don't know. There's just a lot going on here. Uh, I've heard some of my uh, favorite uh, female podcasters and like talkers, uh, like Kyla Rem and uh, Jay Stubes, talk about the, the the girl power in this and how it's actually done really well too. Because uh, they talk about the high heels specifically, 
um, that the women wear and that they're not done for uh, to please the male gaze. They are done to show power. Uh, and I thought that was really cool as well because uh, the high heels are always like showing how badass the character is and not trying to make them look sexy, uh, which I thought was cool. It was a cool point. Uh, that was Star Wars Visions. I loved it. If you haven't seen it yet, you're you're in for a treat. I wish I could watch it for the first time again. You want us to call that one Certified Fresh Out the Podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've only, having only seen two episodes and liking one and not liking the other one, I'll still call it Fresh Out the Podcast. <laughs> uh, the next one. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about this next one. I watched all of Midnight. started laughing before it. Yeah, go, go ahead. I watched all of Midnight Mass. Uh, I like vampires and that kind of stuff. I love all everything that has to do with creatures of the night and that kind of shit. I love it. Uh, this has to do with vampires. Very closely, and I need to emphasize this, very closely tied into Catholicism. <laughs> and, like, like, every episode has, like, two masses where people are going to church. Uh, there's no less than like a hundred Bible verses quoted during this show. Uh, and like it gets, it, there's too much of it. I feel uh, they do a lot of interesting stuff with the lore of Christianity mixed with vampires. It's kind of interesting, but I feel like they go too hard on their religion and the show is slow. It is a slow, it is a long edging process <laughs> to an unsatisfactory finish in my opinion oh that's that's too bad the the show is created and directed by mike flanagan who he's kind of become real well known in in the horror you know film community recently because he did um he did one of the ouija movies ouija origin of evil but then he did gerald's game and dr sleep which dr sleeps the sequel to the shining yeah and he just seemed to have a really good handle on stephen king and the tone mm. of stephen king horror and then of course netflix um subscribers will know the haunting of hill house and the haunting yes. of Blind Manor, which are the shows so, that he did in there so he's so this was highly anticipated by a lot of people i think I, and, um, I would like to clarify though for sure the writing is very good the acting is good uh the subject matter gets to me personally uh it's a lot of catholicism being thrown at you uh and it is a very slow build um the very last episode has some pretty cool moments uh i don't feel like the ending's the best but i mean it does end and you do kind of get what you're waiting for at the end of everything i will say that um but man, I don't know. I don't know if I would uh, like watch it if you're interested, for sure. I, I'm not going to give it certified status, though. Uh, I'll, I'll probably check it out at some point, honestly, because I'm a fan of Mike Flanagan. The only reason I haven't is just because I feel like it, when it, this came out last week, right? Yeah, I watched the whole thing in a week. Yeah, I just feel like there's been so much to watch and, and so many things to choose from in the past couple weeks that I when it came out I'm just like I just can't even get to this right now mm -hmm. and the same thing with spoiler alert for something you'll talk about a little later but Squid Game that's like <laughs> the show that everybody's talking about that right show now too. is a global phenomenon yeah and I've heard it's incredible and I just just have not had the time mm -hmm. I just I just 
haven't been able to even touch it yet. So those are both on my so, list. While I'm not like out going out of my way to say Midnight Mass was fire, I will say I had to watch all of it in a week. So like I couldn't stop watching it. It had me hooked. I don't know. Maybe I liked it more than I'm willing to admit. I don't know. But it was... It has some de- genuinely cool stuff. But I feel like some of the character development is, like, underwhelming and blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff. Like, I'm being nitpicky. Uh, maybe watch it. But if you want, like, a vampire, like, all-out brawl, this is this is not that movie or show. Uh, yeah. So, my next one. My next show. So, uh, yeah, What If has been fire. I haven't seen the latest episode. Uh, the last one I saw was Party Thor. Did you guys see that one? So I, 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 I'm still behind. I've still only watched the first two episodes of What If. I'm embarrassed as a Marvel fan to say. Just the other day I went through and turned on What If and started watching a bunch of episodes. And it they that show's all over the place. Some are good, some are bad, some I don't even give a half of a shit about. Yeah. Um. So I now that there are enough when that show first came out, I would have said this show is certified fresh out the podcast. This is fresh as hell. You got to watch it. Now I'm to the point where it's like, man, open up the season and see which ones you think sound cool, because the ones that you're not interested in aren't interesting. That's fair. Uh, that, that I mean, that's fair. I was interested in all of them. I like all of them. I definitely like some much more than others. Uh but all of them I definitely am happy I saw, and they had some cool ideas. I actually felt like the first couple episodes weren't what I was hoping for, uh, necessarily. Although they had some truly cool ideas. Uh, and I hear the latest episode was out of control. Uh, I would I've like heard to good s- things about the recent one, too. I, I would like to Ultron see one. Yeah. the What If Star Wars uh, that's been announced, right? Is that rumored or announced? I think it's rumored. I don't know if it's, it's just rumored. I would love so, it. It's not official. So I would like to see that. I would rather see some Star Wars what ifs than Marvel what ifs just because of what, what they did, I think wasn't necessarily that interesting to me. Uh, I think Star Wars would do some really cool, interesting stuff, though. Yeah. Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars is a great IP. And yeah, when I was watching Visions, I felt it felt kind of like uh, Death, Love, and Robots to me a little bit. Like everything was different style, different story. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, what if is not like that? Because uh, Visions was like a collaboration, uh, a love letter to Star Wars from artists. You know, that's not what What If is. Uh, what If is like trying to answer all the FAQs from nerds that sent messages to Stanley over the year. What If? Uh, that kind of thing. I like What If, though. Uh, so I'm going to quickly talk about, because it's going to lead into one of my last things, uh... I watched the animated movie on Netflix, The Witcher Season of the Wolf. Uh, it was actually pretty good. Uh, it gave me some Castlevania vibes, uh, which they've been trying to uh, redo. They've been trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle that Castlevania was. I feel like they got a little bit of that in that bottle. Uh, it was cool. I love The Witcher. I love the lore. Uh, it deals with young Vesemir, who is Geralt's mentor in the games. Uh, And they don't really talk about him in the show much. But in the movie, it's cool to get to see where that happened, and it kind of deals with uh, the transition from the time where there were many witchers to the time where there weren't. Uh, And it's cool. A lot of lore in there. I recommend you watch it. 
Uh, and that brings me to upcoming shows. Uh, I don't know if either of you are excited for either of these shows, but I cannot wait for season two of The Witcher uh, coming out later this year, I believe in December. Uh, and also Lock and Key season two. So fire. Lock and Key was Lock and Key blew me out of the water, man. That show was awesome. Uh, and, I actually haven't watched it, but it does look interesting. I've watched the trailers a couple of times. Uh, it just not yet. I haven't started it yet. I remember the first season kind of snuck out and and it did got got positive word of mouth, but I just never jumped into it. I if, if you're gonna watch something, watch that. That is worth the time. It is. It's so cool. It's so good. Uh, I feel like it's a lot of new stuff that hasn't really been done uh, recently. I don't know. It's got its own lore. It's very beautiful. It's got that. Uh, I mean, it is described as Lovecraftian kind of feel, uh, and I definitely see that. There's some truly interesting concepts they work with, uh, and it's cool. It's cool stuff. I I can't wait for those two seasons. Uh, finally, though. I've only watched the first episode, so don't worry for spoilers if you're you haven't seen the global phenomenon that is Squid Games. Uh, I know my mom and my brother cannot stop watching it. Uh, I've only seen the first episode, and it was awesome. It was badass. It gives you like, I mean, it's got kind of like that battle royale feel. Uh, it's got kind of that. I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's Battle Royale mixed with Saw, except it's very pretty and artful. Yes, that's not a bad way to describe it. It's a Korean <laughs> show that is currently number one on Netflix. And if you'll recall, last time we were talking about the streaming wars, I did. Uh, I said uh, about Netflix, to their credit, I said uh, they put international and foreign uh, media in front of a global audience. And it's so cool. And this is a great example of that succeeding for them. And for all of us that we get to see this cool thing. Uh, You've watched this too, Gary? So I, I I had a hard time actually watching it. There's some pretty gruesome stuff and the concept's pretty gruesome. So I, I thought the story was really cool. And luckily it is dubbed and subbed. So you can either watch it in Korean, read the subtitles, or you can listen to it in English. So I laid on the couch and played auto chess on my phone and would watch and play auto chess and watch and then come back to my phone. But Annie binge watched the entire thing. And I would say that this is the kind of show that you either haven't seen it or you have binge watched the entire thing, with the exception of Jahan, who's only seen one episode. But uh, <laughs> the show, it, it sucks you in. It's hard to stop watching. And like I said, it's, it's so and battle royale but pretty and then on top of that there's something going on you just know as a viewer that there's something going and there's on something up and like so that's why that's another reason why like no spoilers just, if it's you haven't really seen it there's something and, up yeah and it's it's the choice of music helps a lot and uh, a lot of they do a lot of cool things the music's just, great it's eerie and there is something up the whole time. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? And it keeps you coming back. <laughs> the little girl playing red light, green light in the first episode, the robot that has art, like that sound of her saying those words has become like a, a thing on TikTok. Uh, I actually saw one of those robots in front of like a business in Korea 
like and it moved and talked and stuff and people were messing with it was so cool man uh but yeah if you haven't watched this it's it's seriously a global phenomenon you're gonna you're missing out on like being able to talk to anybody yeah i i was gonna say the word of mouth on this show it's it's one of those that kind of feels like regardless of if you want to watch it you just kind of need to if you want to even keep up with with the conversation because it just seems like this is one that everybody's watching or will have watched so yeah i will uh i'm gonna try to jump into this like i said before it's just i would have normally but i just I, i haven't been able to find the time yet yeah me too let's talk about some video games we do this, have a minute. Yeah, talk about video games. Some uh, some some Game Pass stuff. Drop Drew was talking about that earlier. One of the big shining moments for Game Pass has been Marvel Avengers, which just just popped out. And when this game came out, I think two or th- two years ago. No, uh, a year ago. One a, year ago. They're celebrating their one year it anniversary. Got shit on, and I didn't play it at the time. I was able to pick it up two weeks ago for twenty dollars, and then of course it came to Game Pass for free. I was going to say, you you did the Game Pass curse. This is something that's this, always talked about on Reddit. A game goes on sale. You paid it 20 bucks for it. You did everybody the the you did the Lord's work for everyone, right? Because you you got cursed. You paid money for it. And then a week later, it comes. Okay, it has time. happened to me like three or four times. <laughs> so I am I'm one of the Game Pass curse guys. Just watch what I buy for $20 and it's it's coming. Um, I don't regret spending $20 on this game. I played it for two weeks uh, almost every day, and and it was worth $20. And it, when it goes off of Game Pass, I will still own it, and it'll still be worth $20. It is a beat-em-up. It's 3D action-adventure. You play as Marvel superheroes, and it's accessible. It's fun. You smash buttons, and you beat the shit out of bad guys. It's pretty straightforward. There's nothing tricky going on in this game. It's got collectibles. It's got really simple puzzles. If you and your friends want to play superheroes and beat the shit out of people, I, this is certified fresh out the podcast. Yeah, I I got to play this with Gary um, a little bit since he got it, and it's a really fun game to just be able to play with your friend and just shoot the shit and and, and enjoy it. Um, I will say it has a campaign that I I just completed the campaign actually today, um, and I you really enjoyed me. the campaign. I, I thought it was really. F- really fun but i can see where some of the complaints of people who picked this up a year ago where they might be coming from because you know you do the main campaign missions but there are some of the kind of more generic missions that you can pick up and play and you can do along the campaign which is essentially the end game end game content yes and a lot of those missions do get you know you start seeing the same environments and the same Mm. um goals you know destroy these turbines or rescue this person or just defeat all the enemies in this area which i get it you know that can get repetitive and the the enemy selection isn't isn't crazy and I but think like when the game came out it only had six characters right and maybe just five and it had two or three less campaigns so now it has extra stories and it has extra characters and extra gear and we got it for cheap or for free so i'm sorry if you paid 60 for it i can see why you were mad but it now if you could pick it up for 20 you could pick it up for game pass pick this game up man it's 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 dope this is the second life I and i think it's it. going to do a good job with its second with its resurrection i did i did Wait, have fun the way I look at it is like, yeah, if the game's going to be grindy or repetitive, at least you're doing it as Thor or the Hulk <laughs> or right? Captain America as opposed oh. to, you know, something more boring. So I don't have 
a, a lot of money. I don't make a lot of money. No. So paying full price for a game <laughs> is, is usually a no-go for me. But there hasn't been a Hulk game since Maximum Destruction. Uh, and and if, if you just want to play a Hulk game for $20, Marvel Avengers is a great Hulk game for $20. You can just Hulk smash the shit out of everything and it's $20 worth of fun. And so at that point, every other character is just icing on the cake because it's just a fun Hulk game if that's what you want. And it's just a fun Thor game if that's what you want. Uh, I just I thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, this game has something that not a lot of games have: uh, a playable Muslim character, uh, and that's super dope. Uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, is uh, she's getting her own show on Disney Plus. Uh, she is a Muslim girl from New Jersey. Uh, super dope. I I played as her. I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, you well, never get to play the- as brown people, you know. The campaign is also mostly through her eyes too. Which yeah, the campaign follows a Muslim girl from New Jersey. That's and that's the other awesome. Thing I was gonna say, as you guys know, it's it's well documented. I pretty much only fucks with the multiplayer and the co-op. But this game, I'm actually like 87 percent through the main solo campaign. This is the first single player campaign that I have played in years and years and years, and I've been enjoying it. Um, sometimes that you know your character locked and you have to play a certain person at a certain time and i don't necessarily love that but the actual storyline is a good marvel storyline it's it's compelling it's a good story it is it really is uh other than that on game pass this week uh i've been talking about this game for like 12 or 13 weeks uh, 928 Limnis Gate. I don't know if you guys remember the rhyme, but that's how I remembered not to forget what day it came out. So on 928, I was waiting for Limnis Gate. And this game is fucking bonkers, baby. It is a first-person shooter that is turn-based. So say Drew goes, and his job is to go attack the objective. He needs to blow it up. So Drew goes, he walks over, he blows up the objective. Then it's my turn, and I go. And while I'm going, Drew's guy's ghost is still out there, and he runs up, and before he can blow up the objective, I shoot him in the head. So now Drew goes again, and he goes and kills my guy that killed his guy, and then I go again. But all of the characters stay in the time loop, and they do the same thing every time. And after you die, you kind of go into a ghost mode because... Just because you got killed this round doesn't mean you'll get killed in the future. So after you die, you can still like shoot at stuff and move around, and you'll find yourself just like blasting an empty hallway or shooting down a straightaway and hoping that enemies will stumble into your fire in a few rounds and it will cost them dearly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is fourth dimensional combat. It is awesome. That sounds cool. It kind of made my brain hurt. I feel like I have to see it. It makes my brain hurt. We had to stop playing last night because it was triggering my anxiety. (laughs) So it's also, I forgot to say that each round you play as like a different champion, as a different hero who have different weapon loadouts. So if you play as the rocket launcher guy in round one, you don't get to play as him again. You already used rocket launcher guy. So there's like a cool strategy in the end of the round where you can come out as the sniper and use his slow time ability and blat all their guys in the head all the Before way across Before they the can map. do what they did. And then they so don't. that yeah. all of the work that they did 
everything that they thought they were going to stop you from doing, you just finish it in the final round with a sniper, and, and you just waste their entire, like, 12 minutes they spent trying to do objectives. The game is great. It has awful matchmaking issues, just like every game that is released nowadays. I don't know what you have to do in college to become a network engineer or a software network engineer that makes video games work. But I swear that job has got to be the most fucking easy job besides meteorologist. Besides guessing the fucking weather, these guys just fuck off and don't make anything work ever. I, I just <laughs> He's not wrong. Yeah, we've been we're furious. Uh, Every single game that comes out has shit matchmaking. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, the past Did few you... uh, Game Pass multiplayer games have not had functioning multiplayer, and that is an issue Xbox. If you're so, listening, what the fuck? Listen to this about Limnusgate. This is not a one-time mistake. This is a consistent error after every single match. We hit next game. Yeah. It kicks me back out to the lobby without Jahan in my lobby. It puts him in a solo game. When I invite him, it makes him join my game and immediately puts him in a public game queue and doesn't put me in one. So then he has to quit the public game queue and then leave my game again and then be reinvited. Every single Every time, time. yeah. Every single time it does the exact same thing. It, it automatically loads me into a queue. Like, it's not a mistake. Yeah, it's it's a big... It, there is a fix for that. There's someone out there who's not doing their fucking job. There's a fix for that. It's the same problem. Okay, finally. I got one game left. I know I'm running over on time, and I apologize. But I would like to talk about the Dune tabletop role-playing game. Yeah. We sat down with it. We read it. We've been talking about Modiphius for a while. We finally were able to do our Session Zero this past week on our web show, uh, Fresh Out the Box, that we do on twitch.tv backslash Jahananon. We played tabletop role-playing games and board games and stuff over there. But we were, on Wednesday, we were doing our Dune campaign. We did our Session Zero, where we built our house. And we met brand new people we've never streamed with before, but the house is the house is awesome. So we're an artistic house slash assassin house. And everyone picked different roles within that house. So I'm the war master and I have an intangible item, which is a group of veteran soldiers. So we're most tabletop role-playing games, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons or such. You are an adventuring party and you have a sword or a shield this one you are the head of a royal house what you have isn't just like a stick and you're not walking around you know fighting things in the desert you are command trying to command an empire there's lots of backstabbing you have control over non-player characters as yes. a player character so a lot more some- than usual Yeah, you have some NPC control, and you can control the world in some really cool and interesting ways. I love what I'm seeing on this tabletop role-playing game. It is the tabletop role-playing game of the year uh, from the innies, and I think think people should pick it up. If if you like tabletop role-playing games, if you like Dune... I think you should pick this game up. It's also, cool. uh, there's a chance that we might be doing giveaways of this during the Wednesday stream, so tune in and uh, you might be able to win a book. Uh, we haven't solidified that with Modiphius yet. 
but for for dune fanboys i would say there's a cool thing about this book in that it makes the lore really digestible yes um from what i have read about dune and (laughs) going onto wikipedia and trying to click through the different timelines and read about dune is almost mind numbing it's almost painful don't do that but this book breaks it down in awesome chapters and it It just gives you the meat and potatoes of what you need to play with the lore and not all the extra loose line bullshit. It's really a cool thing if you're just a Dune fan. Yeah, I I enjoy the Dune book, but sometimes reading parts of it can be somewhat of a chore just because the the lore can be a little bit difficult to understand or digest. Um, because the Zabba it's not... Zabba with the Kareli Yaya. Yeah, nonsense. There is an appendix in the back of the book, like a glossary that you could... But I mean... You don't want to be reading a book and literally flipping to the back of it every couple pages. It can, you know, get a little tiring. Yeah, that's so you kind of just have to move <laughs> well, through. If it. you're doing that, then you're playing a tabletop role playing game and not reading right. a book. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's that's it, man. That's all I've got for this week. Uh, next week, I'd like to talk about more of my Wu Tang. I'd like to talk about Ted Lasso, maybe what we do in the shadows since it's October. We could talk about spooky shows and what people want to see for the Halloween season. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to next week, man. Would you guys have anything big on your plate for next week? We will be talking James Bond next week to oh, shit. Um, coincide with the release of the finally after this movie has been delayed like four or five times. We finally um, have seen uh, No Time to Die, the newest James Bond movie, or I will have seen it because it I go to the movies. And you lot. said Tom Hardy's uh, James Bond, right? No, no, that's not the case. But yeah, so tune in, tune in next time um, to hear us talk about Bond and all the other things that Gary had just listed. Um, for me personally, you can find me at Drew Munhausen on on Twitter, um, at Drew's Blues on TikTok. Where can people find y'all? Uh, I am at Rockfact on Twitter and Johananon One on TikTok. Uh, you can also follow us on YouTube at Fresh Out the Box. Links in the bio. Uh, and twitch.tv slash Jahananon for our live events and giveaways. And I'm Casualty CDG, and you can find me at Casualty CDG pretty much everywhere where I exist. Uh, we're here every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. Central Time. So if you want to see more board games and more tabletop games, come by, see me and Jahan, see what we're doing. It's fun. We have fun. It's a good time. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching, uh, and have a fresh evening.